0: Hello and welcome to Locked On Leafs podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto. You can find me on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Today, joining me on the podcast is Tony Ferrari at the Tony Ferrari on Twitter, a contributor for Dauber Prospects. Tony, how's it going?
1: Not too bad, sitting at home, doing the same thing everyone else is doing pretty much.
0: How are you? Yeah, nothing, absolutely nothing is the answer for everybody, <laughs> just kind of... Trying to to pass the time, I guess, as we sit in these uncertain days of, uh, of COVID-19. And we were just quickly speaking before we, we uh, hit the record button, how it's been a long, long month, uh, three weeks here uh, in the world, and everyone just kind of on their toes, not sure what's what's going to be happening. And we're now at, what, day 20 without hockey, with, with no end in sight. Uh, you know, some more updates uh, coming down the pike a little bit. Uh, The CHL season has officially been canceled. So so that meant that the draft and combine, I think is going to end up being pushed back a little bit. Um, And a few other COVID cases being reported around the league, the Tokyo games have officially been pushed back. Wimbledon, it's now come out that Wimbledon has been canceled. So as the days continue to pass on, more and more events starting to fall. Um, And, you know, here in the hockey world, we still don't really know what to expect with with the season season. Due to the impact of this coronavirus, um, just we're not even sure if the season's even gonna finish. So my question to you, first and foremost, if how do you b- believe that Commissioner Gary Bettman has kind of handled things so far?
1: Um, I think he's been a little slow initially, but
0: after canceling
1: the season, there isn't really a whole lot to do, really, other than wait for the all clear to start things back up. So. I mean, sure, he was maybe initially a little slow on canceling the season kind of right after the NBA did, but you can't really fault him for wanting to meet up with the owners the next morning and say, hey, guys, you guys, just so you're aware, we're we're canceling the season. So, I mean, in that sense, he's done pretty much as good as he could do, but it's a, it's a situation that none of us have dealt with, right? So, even, yeah. even Gary Bettman and Adam Silver and... The people running the PGA and Wimbledon and the, the IOC and Dick Pound, they're all kind of going, what do we do? Like, no one knows. So it's just read and react to the situation as it arises.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, do you think that you would have handled it any differently if you were in his shoes? Uh, honestly, I
1: never hope I'm in Gary Bettman's shoes. But if I was, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think I really would have, to be honest. Like, I would have... The NBA canceling their season pretty abruptly, like as games are going on. Like yeah. Carter was playing his last NBA game as the season was cancelled. So it was kind of one of those things where for Gary Bettman to call every, like to get on a conference call with all the owners and governors of all the teams and say, Hey, like we're canceling the season yeah, I I understood the way he did it. I'm not like people were hating on him at the time, but I you can't hate on a guy for something like that.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of I came on the podcast the kind of the night that the NBA canceled their season, and then the NHL said, "Okay, we're gonna get together and discuss it tomorrow." I kind of ripped into them on this specific podcast talking uh, that night, saying, "Why wouldn't they just cancel the season? Like, you know what's gonna happen eventually? Why wouldn't you save face and just say, yeah, we 'Yeah, we're gonna cancel it,' uh, you know? Going forward, tonight will be the last night that they play games. Instead, they prolonged it and kind of went into the following day, and then they announced it." Uh, In the afternoon on the Thursday, but I think everyone was expecting it to be announced and I guess they were just trying to cross the T's and dot all the I's and try and figure out as much as they could before they officially put out the announcement, they wanted to have some answers that were going to be asked. Um, and the problem is, you know, they didn't have many answers because nobody has answers. No one knows if the season is ever going to start back up again this year, uh, if they're going to end up, you know, kind of having to pick things up uh, at at the end of June and July and August, if they're going to have to play into September, or if they just cancel the season all in total. Um, and if the season kind of does end, you know, there's so many more questions about what is going to happen going forward going next year you know one of the things that i keep going back on and keep thinking of is you know these poor teams that kind of went all in to try and win a Stanley Cup this year you know the Tampas of the world uh they went out they gave up what two first round picks for a couple of players um Carolina gave up uh, some a pretty good haul to go out and get some players Vancouver giving up uh, some some nice pieces to go out and get Tyler Toffoli, who's going to be in a UFA at the end of the year. You know, like what happens to these teams? What happens to this draft capital and these prospects that they traded away? You know, kind of, do they maybe talk about reversing some trade deadline deals if that's the case, or is it kind of "Ah, too bad sucks to be you, you made the deal and no one saw this coming, but you know, it's it, it kind of just sucks to be you. Like what happens if the league, Doesn't continue and it just ends right here for a lot of these these teams. That's a really really tough situation. Like I
1: I understand it from both sides. Like being Vancouver, a team that prior to the season gave up a first round pick for for um, JT Miller. Wow, I can't. Yeah, JT Miller, and then giving up more more draft capital and prospects at the deadline to get to Foley. Like Tyler Madden wasn't a, a light prospect to give away. That was a heavy a heavy price. Yeah, and teams like you said Tampa multiple first round picks Carolina like trade making trades teams like that as much as it sucks to say they're going to have to kind of suck it up because this is something that like I said earlier like none of us could have predicted none of us could have been like you know what like if there, like, there's no team that was like we'll trade you Tyler Toffoli, but we're willing to go back on it if there's a pandemic like there's no right. pandemic clauses in these trades right so maybe in the future, there like teams start to try to put in something that it seems extreme, but maybe in the future teams do say, "Hey, if there's a pandemic, we 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 downgrade that first to a third, or
0: like or a word like stoppage that. in general, right?"
1: Yeah, exactly. It's 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 a, it's a kind of a crappy situation for everyone all around. Like I I wish I could say, "Yeah, reverse the trades," but then you look at teams like like the, the Kings who are like, "Well, we we were banking on those those picks, right. Well, we're banking on." on Tyler Madden coming into our system. And now it's, it's, it's it's not a great situation. That's it's hard for everybody. That's the the way to do it. But I think you got to kind of just live with the trade that happened and put pandemic clauses in next year or something.
0: (laughs) Do you think this is something that I kind of was kind of batting around with some of my friends, uh, just kind of chatting in some of my chat groups that I'm in, you know, I'd be curious to see if maybe they just end up instead of, of reversing trades end up kind of giving some compensatory picks to some of those teams like Vancouver, maybe give them a compensatory second rounder uh, at the end of the second round, just because, you know, they didn't really get full value out of the draft that pick that they made. And, you know, same with Tampa, give them a compensatory first rounder at the end of the first, uh, just to kind of make up for the fact that the trade that they made didn't really work out for, you know, it was nobody's fault. Um, that, that that this pandemic happened, but you know you're not punishing either team by you know undoing the trade, right? If you undo the trade with Tampa and uh, and and let's say New Jersey or San Jose, um, you know you're taking away a first round pick from them. But if you maybe just give the teams who trade away those capitals a compensatory pick for the end of the round, maybe that's a, a way to make both sides happy and kind of find a happy medium between the two.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting idea. I've, I've honestly never thought of that myself. A co- comp- compensatory pick for the teams that kind of gave away high picks and whatnot makes sense. I don't know if you necessarily – Tampa gave up a first-round pick so they get a first-round pick back. I think you'd probably have to downgrade the picks a little bit, right. just in, in in terms of fairness for, for other teams. Like, Detroit, they've been working so hard to be terrible all year, and they want that 32nd overall pick. You know what I mean? So <laughs> – So adding Tampa Bay and New or Tampa Bay and a couple other teams to the end of the first round, that 32nd pick becomes 36th. And I mean, this is a deep draft. It really is. Like there's 60 players that, if they went in the first round, I'd be like, okay, I could see that. So, if there's any draft that you could add compensatory picks to, I'd say this is the one. But yeah, I don't I don't know about giving direct first for first. Maybe for a first round pick gets a second, a second round pick gets a third. Kind of work it that way. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely an idea to to work on. So yeah, yeah. The NHL could definitely consider something like that.
0: I just, I just think it's the fairest way to to make everybody happy, you know. Because I, I think if you reverse trades, that's going to make the the sellers be, you know, pissed off about that. But then if you keep the trades as is and you say, "Well, it sucks to be you," the buyers are going to be pissed off. But at least if you do some sort of compensatory picks to to kind of please, um, you know, the buyers, I think that's that's probably your best bet of meeting each other halfway. Um, and, and I think uh, Bretman, if I'm not mistaken, I've heard him in a couple of interviews, was pressed on this and asked about this. And he said, yeah, that's something that we're going to have to figure out because it was clearly something that they didn't expect to ever happen. And uh, although you're right, there's nothing in any trade clause that says, you know, barring a work stoppage or pandemic, these trades won't fall through. But that being said, like, I, I think everybody even needs to take a step back and kind of say, okay, well, what's fair here? What's What do we need to do? And I I, I just immediately in my own head thought, well, I think this compensatory pick thing might be a good way to solve that problem. Um, so just kind of moving on a little bit here. Uh, it, first and foremost, do you believe that we're going to get hockey back?
1: Honestly, like I, as much as I love hockey and I, I've, even since I've been off work myself, I've been watching a game, two, three games a day, yeah. like working on my rankings and working on my draft stuff. But I, I don't think we're getting hockey back. I don't think yeah. we're getting the NHL season finished Because if we do, then we're going to end up running into August or September. We're going to be doing something along the lines of that player's proposal where they're finishing the playoffs in September free agencies in October and the drafts in October. And then we jump right back into the season end of October, November, early November. Mm-hmm. And doing something like that that makes it affect this season and next season. I don't think the the NHL has come out and said a few times that they don't want to affect next season if they don't have to. So I, I'm I'm kind of on the boat where we're probably not getting hockey back.
0: Yeah, I'm 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 the same as you. I I don't think it's worth kind of uh, ruining two seasons when you don't have to. You know, it sucks that we're not going to be able to get a new Stanley Cup champion this year. We're not going to be able to get playoffs you know the teams aren't gonna be able to make up that revenue the league won't be able to make up that revenue and it's just gonna leave so many question marks for for the salary cap next season and kind of what happens and and whatnot but that's something that they're gonna to have to deal with but i I totally agree I think if anything it's just the fact that we already know how long you know we have an idea of how long things are going to be shaken up I know uh, I don't know if you saw this but the city of Toronto it doesn't affect the games however but they did put out a, a citywide ban where uh, they, they there's going to be no public events, you know, no parades, no, no gatherings, no nothing. Now that doesn't include sporting events because those are private events. That being said, I, I'd be very surprised if, uh, if sometime in June they get back to to playing hockey, in which case it pushes it all the way back to July. Even if they're ready to go by then, that's that really pushes the season back, right? And that's something that they don't want to do, and I don't want to see that um so it's it's really going to be a weird situation if they come back um but if they do there's been a lot of talk about maybe if they get back just go right to the playoffs don't don't you know worry about finishing up the season let's just go right to the playoffs and uh, maybe you expand it to a 2014 playoff and then kind of go right from there I know Connor McDavid came out and refuted it and said, look, I don't think going straight into a playoffs would be a good idea. I believe we should have a couple of weeks to kind of get ready. You know, we're kind of going to need another training camp or a preseason-type deal. where They had a couple of games under their belt, um, whether that's finishing up the regular season, trying to get everybody to a 70-game mark or whatnot. But um, I just what what are your thoughts on that? Should they go right to the playoffs, do the 24-team thing, kind of stop it right there, do it 16 teams based on points percentage? You know, if they do come back, what do you think is the right situation uh, they should be coming back to?
1: Uh, if they do come back, it's going to be tough. I think they're, they're not going to be able to please every team. I think that's the thing they're going to have to come to terms with is that They're going to have Florida mad at them or they're going to have Carolina mad at them. They're going to have one of these teams that are kind of on the bubble that if you go by points percentage, they might not make the playoffs. But if you go by the current standings, they would. And so you're going to – I think you're going to have to play a couple games. I think you're going to have to go, okay, well, everyone's at, say, 65 games. We need to get everyone to 68. So the teams that are kind of sitting around at 63, 64, they play a couple extra games the teams that are sitting down against each other, obviously the teams that are sitting at 65, 66, they only play a couple more. It's, it's going to be a a really weird situation. If I had a choice, I'd probably just say, you know what, we're going to go by points percentage. Sorry, Florida. Sorry. These other teams that are kind of just, just on the outside looking in because they've played one less game maybe, but you you just go into points percentage. Maybe you give each team a quote unquote preseason game against some team from the other conference just to like as a warm up, and then you go into your first round series. Uh, the way I when before the CHL was, uh, playoffs were all canceled, but the way I kind of proposed it was, you could almost have a two game series for to play in. So you'd have Toronto and Florida play two game series, and you, you do it like soccer, where if they're tied after the final scores are tied after the two games, you go to aggregate and you, you can win on road goals. It, it's a crappy system, but it's a system mm-hmm. that can kind of help solve those little battles at the end of the at the uh, bubble of the playoffs and then you play three game series for the first round five game series the second round and then seven game series for the conference and the Stanley Cup finals I kind of propose something similar to that for the CHL it may not apply as as cleanly to the NHL but it's I mean any any way they do it, it's gonna suck like that's just kind
0: of the way it is Oh, definitely. Like it, any way it's done, it's it's going to have to be an abbreviated season, whether that's regular season or playoffs gets altered uh, and we don't see full seven game series. I believe that's the only way that they're going to be able to do it if they do, in fact, do it. Uh, all right. So let's let's take a quick break. And then uh, and then when we get back, uh, we'll, we'll chat about what your bread and butter is. And that's the NHL draft. I saw you put out some NHL draft rankings. So we'll kind of get to those and chat about those in just a second. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Leafs podcast. Mike DiStefano with you. Alongside me, Dauber Prospect's own Tony Ferrari. Uh, Tony, I saw you put out some draft rankings the other day. Um, Now, the draft is going to be another big hurdle that the NHL is going to have to face. Uh, They're going to have to kind of navigate through it, like kind of, you know, an unfinished season with no playoffs, you know, no best-on-best tournament in the Memorial Cup. How does the process, the scouting process, change here? And, you know, who could be affected most by this?
1: Well, the scouting process changes in the sense that we're not at the rinks anymore. And that's really the biggest thing that changes. I mean, it sucks that we don't get the Memorial Cup and the playoffs and the best-on-best best kind of tournaments like the u 18s But we have 60 games, 50 games, 40 games at least on most of these players. For, for us to, to say, oh, we're being screwed by this we're not like any talent evaluator is going to be able to look at 40 games of a player watch some of them and say okay this is my judgment on the player and so for for me what my process has been lately is I, I just watch old games I go back I choose a random game between two teams that I know that there are some draft eligible players on that I want to get a better read on and I watch that game I, I take notes like I normally would I, I kind of write my reports like I normally would there's not much that changes in terms of that other than the fact that maybe I know the score of the game at the end of the game, or I know that say Ridley Gregg scores a goal in the game. It's, it's, it's going to be guys uh, it's going to be a process that we basically sit at home for. And I have, I have something going on on Dobber Prospects tomorrow for the draft report for, for March, where I kind of outline the, this, how this, this season could be, or this draft could end up actually being the best cover draft ever because we all have so much extra time. Not only are we not going to games that cuts down on our travel time. We're able to skip through intermissions. When we watch games on video, we're able to skip through commercial breaks, So we're going to be able to squeeze three games in, in the time we'd normally squeeze one game in. So we're going to be able to cover a little bit more kind of dive into the prospects, get a better handle on the prospects. Like I said, losing the Memorial cup sucks. Like that's a a fun tournament. We, We all love watching it. The CHL playoffs, it's, it's, it's an unfortunate thing that we miss, but as in terms of evaluating prospects, th- there should be no excuse for most like, most people. It's, we we've got the video we've got, like I said, anywhere between 40 and 60 games, sometimes more on a player plus last year. So we can evaluate the guys. It's just, yeah, we're not at the rinks anymore, which sucks.
0: The only thing that I would say is, you know, the, the CHL playoffs in the Memorial Cup gives players an opportunity to kind of stand out amongst the rest or, you know, it, it could also go the opposite way. And if they go totally quiet in the playoffs, you kind of question like, oh, you know, he kind of fell apart in the big moment. Um, are are you worried about the fact that you won't get kind of the, the you won't be able to see what they're like in the pressure cooker like that? Like, do you put much stock into playoff performance as opposed to regular season performance?
1: Uh, I definitely put some stock into it and say, OK, well, like I'll make a note of, OK, Quentin Byfield struggled in the playoffs or Quentin Byfield was amazing in the playoffs. They carried his team. But I'm not the guy that's in one sense. I think this is almost better because now we're going to get kind of get, we're going to be able to pick out the people that that do do ma- the majority of their rankings and their evaluations on on the World Juniors and the playoffs. And that's it. Or the World Juniors and the U18s. And they just cover the big tournaments and stuff. Uh, I think you're able to get a, a pretty good view of a player when you, when you watch them in a, in a blowout. Like what I've been doing lately is I kind of choose a game for a player where I'm like, okay, how did this player look when their team lost 10-2? to How did this team, player look when their team won 7-1? to And I, I go back and I watch those games because I think those games are the ones that you're going to get kind of the view of the player that may not be the view that everyone else sees.
0: Right. Right. I I mean, I, I totally get that. And everybody has their own way of scouting. I, for for me, I just feel like not having the playoffs and not seeing a best on best type tournament is, is going to be, you know, harmful a little bit, but it'll also, I believe could allow teams to kind of find some more diamond in the rough type players just means that they're going to have to, to look a little harder to find those guys uh, who have like that winning gene, that winning mentality in them. Um, So like I mentioned before, you released some rankings here. Uh, was it yesterday? Two days ago? I believe two days ago you uh, released yes, rankings. Uh,
1: two days ago, yeah.
0: Yeah, over on uh, Dauber Prospects. So if you want to check that out, definitely. Uh, it's He also has it uh, pinned on his Twitter page, at uh, the Tony Ferrari, but also over on Dauber Prospects. Uh, check it out if you want to see the full rankings. But um, who's a player who you believe this season has really, really helped his stock along the way? I mean... I can go to the default and say Tim
1: Stutzel out of out of Germany. He's a guy that at the start of the season, I had him at 10, and people looked at me and they were like, you're crazy. This kid <laughs> plays in the German league, and no one knows him or sees him. And I'm like, well, I watched a lot of German hockey last year, so <laughs> I've seen him quite a bit. <laughs> and, and now he's kind of unanimously in the top five of most drafts. But there's there's other guys like like Jan Myshak. He came over from, from Czech Republic. And it's going to be a lot of the European guys on this list of, of guys that kind of improve their stock because people don't watch European hockey as much. Right. So when a guy like Jan Maesak comes over to, to the OHL and plays for the Bulldogs. And at one point, I think through 10 games, he was just over a goal a game. You're, you're going to raise your stock that way. So there are guys that like that. Um, other guys like Jake Sanderson, he's another, he's an American kid that his stock is just skyrocketed through the, through the roof. And, Honestly, he's a guy that I I wasn't even expecting to play as well as he has. He's a defenseman for the NTDB team, the team that Jack Hughes and Trevor, Trevor Zegras and Cole Caulfield played on last year. And he's, he's kind of stood out as their best player almost all year. He's uh, one of the most, he's easily the best defensive defenseman at near the top of the draft this year. He's, he's, he's a guy that's going to be able to shut down the opponent's top, top, top players. And his offensive game has grown a lot this year. He's, I have a piece on, on future considerations actually, coincidentally enough, going out on him this week, and it's a full deep dive breakdown of all the aspects of his game and how his offensive game has, has grown significantly this year. From the, from last year, he was almost hesitant to make breakout passes and kind of take the puck up on his own to this year where he's end-to-end rushes almost every single night and he's, he's putting up highlight real plays and not all of it will translate to the NHL, obviously. Junior hockey tends to do that, but he he's showing a lot more promise offensively. So there there's always players that jump up like that.
0: Another player here that I've just kind of taken a look, sitting right there at the top of your Tier 8, is a man by the name of Jack Quinn, uh, right winger for the Ottawa 67s. Had himself a heck of a year. Now, working at TSN, I've had the pleasure of speaking to a few of the guys there about him, and one of the guys who's really, really high on Jack Quinn and has him as a top-ten player, I believe ranked him actually uh, like number 5 or 6, is Craig Button. You're a little bit lower on on, uh, Jack Quinn. Why is that?
1: Oh, Jack Quinn. He he's the guy that when I released the rankings everyone yelled at me for. <laughs> and, and and there's there I have nothing against Jack Quinn. Jack Quinn's a very good player. He's he's one of the best goal scorers in the draft. But the reason he's a little bit lower for me is he doesn't do a ton else other than goal scoring. And don't get me wrong, goal scoring is the most important thing in the NHL. That's the reason Austin Matthews is one of my favorite players. But there's just it's it's, it's his game is pretty empty at times. It, Without that, his, his skating isn't the greatest, but he's he's able to get around the ice, no problem. I'm not really all that worried about his skating. But there, he's also older for the draft class. He he was uh, like less than a month away from being in last year's draft class. So it's kind of one of those situations where I look at last year and I'm like, oh, he had like 40 points, and this year he exploded and he had over 50 goals. So like, I I, I really like Jack Quinn. He's he's a guy that I'm perfectly okay with getting drafted much higher than I ranked him. Like if mm. he goes at 12 or if he goes at 10, I'm going to be like, okay, man, I wouldn't have done that. But I see why. There's obviously reasons why you would draft him that high. Right. So well, he's a guy that I have at 27. I have him extremely low compared to most people. But you talk to some other people like uh, Will Scouch from scouching.ca. He's he's also fairly – I think he has him in the second round at this point. It's It's one of those situations where – the more you watch Jack Quinn, it's almost like the less you like his overall game. You you appreciate his goal scoring from from the first time you watch him to the last time you watch him. So every time I watch him I go, that was a sweet goal. That was a really nice shot. But there like I I also go, "Oh wow, he just didn't even try on that." And uh, the puck was <laughs> 2 feet away from him and he could have taken two strides. Like take those two strides and So, I I'm more than willing to be wrong on Jack Quinn and I and I hope I am because it would be awesome if if Jack Quinn came into the league and became Alex DeBrincat and started scoring forty goals a year. And yeah, and and I'm I'm the guy that's wrong on him because you're gonna every draft analyst is gonna be wrong on somebody. I'm okay if that somebody's Jack Quinn.
0: I remember, and and this might end up kind of being being a similar thing. Not saying that they're you know comparable as, as players, but I remember last year at the draft, uh, I was having a conversation about Arthur Callie of when he was falling. And I'm like, when did goal scoring become so devalued where you have a guy who put up 50 plus goals in his in his draft year and he made it and he didn't get drafted in the first round. He ended up falling into the second round. I believe he went, what, 30, 33rd or 34th or something like that to L.A. Like with with a second or third round pick in the second round. But uh, I feel like maybe Jack Quinn might be this year's guy where, you know, as he falls down the boards. A lot of people are going to be saying, like, I can't believe that a goal scorer of his caliber just keeps falling like this. Uh, but, you know, there there are those people out there like yourself, like Will Scouch, that believe, yeah, he's, he's a great goal scorer, but there's not that much else to his game. And for that reason, you know, he's, he's going to tumble a little bit more than people are expecting. Would you say that he might be that guy this year where... You wouldn't be surprised if he went in the in the top half of the draft, but you also wouldn't be surprised if he did slip into the second round.
1: And, and I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you, last year Kaliev, I want to say at the end of the year I had him ranked—I could be wrong by a couple spots—but I want to say 14th or 15th. Yeah. And and that was because I felt like there there was more to his game that people weren't giving him credit for. And I think Kaliev had a lot had a bit of a a Russian bias, even though he's not Russian; he's American. <laughs> but there, there, it was kind of like Galchenyuk in his draft year People were like, oh, he's a Russian But no, he's American He has a Russian name, sure But, like, he he I think Kaliev got a, a bit of a bad rap last year His skating wasn't as bad as people said i him and Jack Quinn have pretty equivalent skating, actually like, They're not great, but they're not bad Their mobility's okay But with, with Kaliev, I think there's more More of him making Him pushing himself to make to score goals He's creating the goals Whereas Jack Quinn, and people are going to get on me for this, so let me start with this. It's not Marco Rossi that's making Jack Quinn good, because they don't play together that often, realistically. But Jack Quinn's the guy that he's he's kind of sitting there in the dot, and he's waiting for the pass. And he's he, he, he creates goals on his own, but not at the same rate that Kaliev did last year, I don't think.
0: All right, that makes sense. Uh, last player that I kind of want to ask you about is somebody who tumbled down your rankings uh, month by month. It looks like uh, Antonio is of London Knights, just squeaking in to your latest rankings here, coming in at 50 after starting the year um, at 13th. Uh, what didn't you like about his game? How come he was somebody who made such a, a far fall here in your list? Well, uh, he's,
1: he's a guy I love. I love Antonio Stranges. And if he works out, he's going to be one of those guys that everyone's going to be wrong on because he's, he's fallen on almost everyone's draft boards pretty, unanimous. pretty unanimously. But Strongest is that flashy player. He's He's got that 10-2 to 2 stride like Jeremy Bracco does, and he, he makes things happen on the ice when he's on there. But then you look at his stats and you're like, oh, like a lot happened, but there was nothing to it. And it's just kind of one of those situations where at the start of the year, I was kind of ranking him based on potential and what I expected from him this year. And, and as the year went on, it just never really happened. His his production never materialized. His his play got kind of lazy at certain points during the year. Like I remember one one game where I, I went and seen him live, a Windsor-London game. And he looked really good on his first shift of the game. And I'm like, all right, sweet. This is the game I'm, I've been waiting for from Antonio Stranges. In the rest of the game, I don't think I noticed him. It was, it's, he's, he's a polarizing player because he does have maybe a top 15 raw skill in the, in the draft this year, but the effort and the consistency is just not there on a night to night basis. And he he, he kind of suffered a little bit this year from uh, an unwillingness to go inside. Last year, he used the 10 to 2 skating a lot to kind of get through the neutral zone wide and then cut to the net with, with, with that Mohawk skating style and players, defenders didn't know what to do with it. How do you defend a player that's coming at you sideways and you don't know where he's going to go next. Right. And, and this year he, he hasn't done that. He hasn't gotten to the middle nearly as much. And, and that's kind of been
0: part of the reason why his scoring has been hampered a bit. Um, it's going to be an interesting draft, you know. Straight from the fact that this is a really deep draft, uh, and there's a lot of really, really good players, a lot of really, really good names, um, even into the second round. Like you said, you know, Antonio Strange is another one of those kids who's fallen all the way to 50 in your rankings. Could go anywhere. Could even become a first rounder. You know, some people have him ranked into the first round, early into the second round, mid second round. It's it's going to be a good draft, I think. Uh, there's going to be a lot of a lot of great talent being kind of influxed into the league with this one and whatever ends up happening with the way the draft picks end up getting situated, whether it's, uh, you know, the, the trades get reversed, which we both don't expect to happen or you know these compensatory picks. It, it should be a, a good draft for some people, a, a fun one, but a tough one, a different one, I guess, maybe not tough, but a different one. Uh, because you know, there's just not as much to look at and, and sift through when you're doing your, uh, when you're doing your draft process. um, all right, so that was that was a lot of fun. Uh, definitely, uh, like I said, go check it out uh, at Dobber Prospects. He's he's uh, he's got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, coming up next, let's chat a little bit about the Leafs prospects and the ones that have already been drafted, and we'll do that next. All right, welcome back to the Lockdown Leafs Podcast, Mike DiStefano Stefano, with you alongside me, Tony Ferrari from Dobber Prospects. All right, Tony, uh, I got one question for you that I know is, uh, it's going to be coming, you know, uh, considering that all the prospects have concluded their seasons, whether it's the junior leagues, college leagues overseas, let's talk about some of these players and let's start with the man himself, Nick Robertson, the 2019 second round winger who put up over 50 goals this season for Peterborough, uh, how impressed were you with his season? Did you were you somebody who had him ranked higher than he went uh, and thought that this was a major steal? Like what's his kid's ceiling and how likely is it that he'll get there with the Leafs? Well,
1: I had him ranked 23rd last year if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, I definitely he was a guy that I was like this is a first round player. He's he's got the motor, he's got the skill, he's he's got unreal hands. He's he's a guy that never gives up on the play and he can score goals in bunches. And then when he got drafted 53rd by the Leafs, I was like, "Oh, that sucks for everyone else." Because he's 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 going to be really good. I don't think he's going to be a 50 goal scorer in the NHL, but you want Zach Hyman with better hands? There you go. He's he's a kid that's going to I'm going to say this now and it's going to be really bold. I think he gets time on Austin Matthews' wing at some point next year. Ooh, next season. I, I think I think there's a chance that he makes it makes the Leafs out of camp. He probably is going to start on the third line, the fourth line, somewhere lower in the lineup. But I wouldn't be shocked to see Keith go. Oh, you know what? Let's let's just try this in some sort of line mix-up. He plays a few games with Matthews and Marner, or someone like that. In he, he's a guy that I don't think anyone's going to choose him for Rookie of the Year if if he he does make the least. But I think he's a guy that is going to be in the conversation at the end of the year, and people are going to go, Oh yeah, Nick Robertson. Look at that. He scored 25 goals and he had 25 assists. Like that's a pretty good season. And mm-hmm. and obviously that's a up-bit bullish with the with 50 points in his rookie year. But I could see Nick Robertson doing something like that. He's he's kind of always exceeded expectations a little bit. Like this this year with the goal scoring pace was just unreal. 55 goals in 46 games. It's it's not fair. He he was on pace to 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 do what John Tavares did in his his sophomore season, where he scored seventy two. So, in in no, I don't think Nick Robertson is John Tavares, but he's got he's a goal scorer, man. He just finds a way to get that puck in the net.
0: Yeah, that's that's really exciting. Is you know the Leafs pretty bleak when it comes to a prospect system and to have a guy that you kind of scooped up in the second round and he looks like he's going to be an absolute player. Uh, certainly a top six guy who, who's going to help this team offensively. It's good to see. And, you know, kind of the opposite of uh, who was the player that we were discussing a moment ago, Jack Quinn, uh, kind of the opposite yeah. of Jack Quinn, where he had a late birthday and nearly missed the cut for the 2019 draft. Um, if he was born five days later, he would have been a 2020 draftee. And if that's the case, where do you think you would have ranked him? I, I spoke to uh, spoke to a, a scout yesterday, and he told me he probably would have him uh, top 15, top 20. Where do you think you would rank him this season, um, based on the year that he just had, if he was a 2020 draftee?
1: Well, if he was a 2020 draftee, I would kind of have to do the same thing I do with Quinn, and I have to take into fact that he is almost a year older than a lot of the other prospects. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the, the, the season he just had, he doesn't have the same issues as, as Jack Quinn does with the, the effort and the, the the skating at times. Like he's not the most crisp, crisp skater, but he's a very mobile player. And I like to make that difference because there, there are players in the NHL that aren't very good skaters, but they're extremely mobile and they get to where they need to be. Like look at John Tavares for the first few years of his career. He wasn't a good skater coming out of junior, like in in, in all reality, he wasn't, but he was still one of the best players in the league because he knew how to get around the ice and with Nick Robertson he knows how to get around the ice so I probably would have had him in the top 15 realistically like, he'd have been in that Ian Myshak, Rodian Amirov kind of tier so he's definitely be a top 15 guy for me I, and I mean last year he was a top 25 guy so it's not a, a huge jump for me.
0: Mm-hmm. It's still you know considering that you got him you know mid second round mid to late second round Pretty good pickup uh, by the Leafs, very savvy drafting right there for a team that didn't have a first rounder this year or last year and doesn't have another first rounder this year. If you can find talent like that in the second round and and in the middle rounds, that's kind of how you build your team. So, you know, that's that's certainly uh, uh, an A plus pick by by Dubas and company Um, outside of Nick Robertson. And we kind of got to be quick here. We're running out of time. Uh, there aren't too many other players in the Maple Leafs prospects who are considered to be top tier NHLers, but who are some other guys that, you know, don't get discussed that much that if developed well, you believe could turn into NHLers for this Leafs team. Well,
1: I'll, I'll give you two names so that we can be quick. Uh, Mikhail Abramov, he uh, plays for the Victoria Tigers and, or Victoriaville Tigers in the QMJHL. He had kind of a breakout season with 76 points and 63 games this year. He's He's a good skater. He's quick. He's, He's got he's got a lot of skill. He sh- he should be a, a top six player if if everything works out. A middle six player kind of is the, the the hope. But he's a he's a really skilled guy. He's got a good shot, and he scored 35 goals this year in the Q. He's uh, he's he's a prospect that these fans and and uh, analysts around the the league have quietly been like you oh, know this kid might be something. And the other name I'll give you is, is a defenseman, Miko Kokkonen. He was mm-hmm. drafted last year by the Leafs. He was actually, if I'm not mistaken, he's still the youngest player to ever play a league in, in the league or play a game in the Liga in Finland. And he did that at 15. He only played one game. It, it probably wasn't that great, but he was 15 playing in the Finnish professional league. Wow. And this year, he had he had a pretty good year this year. He was in the Liga again. Um, let me just bring up the stats real quick. Sorry. But he, he's, a, he's a solid two way defenseman. He's got the the defensive acumen to, to play professional hockey. Like this year in, in thirty nine games, sorry, with the Rebucrite with in the Liga, he had 10, 10 goal, or ten points, sorry. And for a defenseman who plays a primarily defensive game in a men's professional league at nineteen, that's pretty good. Like he's not scoring the lights out, but he's he's got a big shot from the point. And he, he can move the puck up ice. Uh, his, his game in the offensive zone still needs a little bit of work in terms of like refining things, in terms of the puck movement in the zone. But moving the puck from his defensive zone to the neutral zone or even skating it through the neutral zone, he, he's a pretty good defender and he has confidence in, against men. So he's a guy that I'm, I'm expecting to eventually kind of land in the top four. He's not going to be flashy. He's not going to be a guy that's up for Norris's, but he's going to be that defensive defenseman that the Leafs have needed for 40 years.
0: That's it, right? They desperately need a defensive defenseman, a good shutdown guy who they can maybe pair up with Jake Muzzin uh, for for the next few years. Uh, How far away would you say he is from the NHL, then?
1: Uh, Koken's probably...
0: I'm going to say at least two years.
1: He's a guy that's pretty comfortable playing in Finland right now. He's not going to come over. Like I said, he's playing in the Liga, so he's playing professional already. He's not going to need to come over to make money, so... He's probably not going to come over until he's kind of told, all right, you got half the season in the AHL and then you can come to the NHL or at worst, you have one year in the AHL and then you'll be in the NHL. So I think probably two years and then he plays a year or a half year in the AHL and then he's up with the Leafs and and hopefully in the top four, probably starting in the top six because that just makes sense with young players.
0: All right, fantastic! Uh, this was awesome, Tony. Always appreciate talking hockey with you, talking draft prospects, Leafs prospects, all that good stuff. Uh, that's gonna do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcasting platforms and receive daily Leafs content. You can follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Leafs. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck and follow Tony at the Tony Ferrari. Uh, check out his work uh, all over the place. Where where do they find your work, Tony? The uh, majority of my work is at Dauber Prospects, but I've been doing a, a little bit more feature
1: writing for future considerations as well, so you can find everything there. Just follow Dauber Prospects and FC Hockey on Twitter, and you'll find all my content there.
0: What do you have coming out soon? Thank you, you. Uh tomorrow you coming out, yeah.
1: Yeah, tomorrow I have
0: the, the NHL draft report
1: for Dauber. It's a monthly column where I kind of I do a big breakdown. I do a feature story, a, like a, a team of the month, and then a uh, 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 prospect spotlight. This, this month, I kind of just answered some questions on what exactly we do from here, where we go without new games and video and being able to travel and everything and what, what that means for the draft, kind of. And then I did a, a prospect profile on e- Eamon Powell from the NTDP team, a defenseman who's smooth skating, steady, and not flashy, but he's kind of that Miko kokonen type. Not as big, though. But, and then uh, for the team of the month, I did a, an all-overagers team, so that one was kind of fun, too.
0: Nice, nice. All right, well, go check them out, and uh, everybody uh, go go have a read at those. Uh, they're going to be great. Um, and if you're still looking for some new podcasts, be sure to check out the Locked On NHL podcast. Many of the Locked On hosts here from the Locked On Network uh, are collaborating to provide top-notch podcasts every single day discussing the latest and most newsworthy items of the NHL world. All right, I'll be back with you tomorrow. And in the meantime, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leaves.